This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor David Kogel. We covered about David. We saw some important lessons already last week. And we found out that David was called by Paul a man after God's own heart. And we kind of been looking at that, saying, why did he come up with that? How could that, how could he be called a man after God's own heart? And we talked about some of the things that that I believe in his character that that brings him to that statement and makes it so true. We looked at David um, as a shepherd boy, and we talked about him first. Uh, being a shepherd boy, and the and the Bible kind of opens up to us to give us an idea of what some of the things that he did as a shepherd boy, and it shows his character already. It shows where his heart is, and I think that's what we are looking at. David was certainly not without sin. He committed a lot of gross sins later on in his life. David was also quick to repent. And so we saw some of the scriptures there in Samuel, and we'll be in Samuel looking at different scriptures as we go through that. Uh, of course, we know that, that Samuel, prophet Samuel, went to anoint a king. He didn't know who it was going to be. And as all the sons of Jesse came before him, he said, not that one. The Lord would say, not that one. And finally, they brought David in, was the last son. And when the Bible says that Samuel looked at him and realized that God had chosen him and anointed him, and I like the, the part that we read in 1 Samuel 16 and verse number 14 or 13, Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And then it says, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. And I believe that, I know that that's the difference. When the Spirit of the Lord has come upon somebody like that, and in the Old Testament, that's the way it was. The Spirit of the Lord came upon individuals. Today, we have the Holy Spirit within us when we are saved, get saved. But what a difference it began to make in David's life. I believe in even his appearance. But the thing was, Saul, who was the king, something different happened. Not only did the Spirit of the Lord come upon David, but the Spirit of the Lord left Saul. And I told you last week that the Bible says an evil spirit from God came upon Saul. And that wasn't a demonic spirit, but that was a different type of individual that Saul began to people begin to see in Saul. And so some of the things that Saul had previously been, as far as in a leadership role, some of the courage that he had, probably some of the gifts that he had, those things began to be taken away from Saul. And people noticed that as well. In fact, the Bible said the servant said, hey, behold, there's there's an evil spirit from God that troubleth you. And so, he certainly became troubled in that area. Now, because he was troubled, he wanted some comfort. 
And he heard about someone named David. They brought word to him that he could play the harp, soothing harp music. He wanted him there. They brought David in. And when Saul was in that foul mood, when he was troubled, David would play upon that harp and it would soothe him. It would kind of get him out of that, that rut that he was in and the spirit that he was in for a little while anyway. But the thing that I wanted to get across to you last week, and I'm not going to spend much time going back to these things, but I, I, I just want you to see that the, the, the lessons that we saw here was that David was at such a time in God's will, and I believe when the Spirit of the Lord came upon David, he knew that he had to get in God's will. He had to do what God wanted him to do. And certainly we, we should strive to be in God's will in our own life. We should want to, to do the things that God wants us to do. And we find that out by reading His Word, by praying, by the Holy Spirit's leading. Those things guide us down that path of God's will. And many times we get kind of distracted. We get thrown off of the path a little bit. And it's good to realize that the Holy Spirit checks us and we said, hey, we need to get back doing what we should be doing. So David as a shepherd boy certainly took his job seriously. We find that out. He certainly did. Uh, he took that job and said, hey, I'm going to be the best shepherd boy that I can be. I'm going to protect these sheep. And that's what he did. Now, even though God rejected Saul as king, he allowed him to rule for 20 more years. And during that time, we saw that David also was able to give his testimony, was what I call it, or his credentials as a shepherd boy. And that those credentials were, and when it get, we get down to Goliath, the credentials were a bear and a lion came to take a lamb, one lamb, and I went after that lamb, and I slew that lion and got the lamb out of his mouth and brought him back. He did something that the normal shepherd probably wouldn't have done for one lamb. Out of all of them sheep, one lamb, I, I'm not worried about that. But David was, and he took that job seriously, and he went out and got that. And remember, I kind of touched on that. I said, you know, the devil wants to get your family he wants to get you and, and those around you involved in other things. And I believe we should earnestly keep our family in our prayers, our loved ones in our prayers, our children and grandchildren. And, and even if it comes down to where we have to realize, hey, I need to go out and, and maybe snatch them away from wherever they're involved in. That, that could very well happen and has happened. But... What did I say has given us that authority and power? And why should we do that? Galatians 1.4 Who gave Himself for our sins that He might deliver us in this present world according to the will of God our Father. So Christ died for that. He died that we may have victory. That we may have that power in Jesus' name. And we live in a present evil world, no doubt about that. Every day, turn the news on, you just watch one thing after another. And it's an evil world we live in. 
But I'm thankful that even though we live in an evil world, God's still in control. And He's in control of our life if we let Him be. So David's bravery over that, that lamb, over those things that he did, became a, a lesson for us as well. And how important was that little lamb? That one lamb. What does Jesus have to say? Matthew 25, 30, 23. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. So David was a, was a person that was different than the normal shepherd boy. Now, also David, and kind of got it to the end of that lesson, David had a longing in his heart to want to know more about God. Be in a deeper dimension with God. And I gave you that verses in Psalm 130, chapter 132, verses 1 through 8. And the, and the, the verse that stuck out to me was this. I will not give sleep to mine eyes nor slumber to my eyelids until I find out a place for the Lord, a habitation for the mighty God of Jacob. So David was saying, you know what? I strive to realize the, the important thing in life. And the important thing is that I give place to God in my heart, in my thoughts, in my mind. You know, with all the stuff we got going on today, do we give time and place to God? Do we let a whole day go by with stuff and we thought, you know what? I never stopped once to meditate on the Lord and to pray to Him, talk to Him, listen to Him. So, good way to do is start off your day before all of that gets going and say, I'm going to make some time out for the Lord. And so that's where we pick up here. And I want to look at Luke chapter 15 in verse number 4 through 7. He'll get those uh, Scriptures up on the board because this parable that Jesus told here is something that I take off of this trip that David made as a shepherd boy to retrieve that lamb. And realize for you and for me, it's important that even one soul we reach for Jesus Christ. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which was lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. When he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over how many? One sinner that repenteth more than ninety-nine just persons which need no repentance. How important is it to us to realize we may come in contact with that one soul tomorrow? We may come across that path tomorrow. We may hear of someone that needs Jesus tomorrow. And what will we do? Will we say, well, someone else will reach them. Well, I've got a lot to do already. I've already got my ministry and I've got this going on and that going on. But will we stop and take time for that one lost soul? 
Can you imagine heaven's waiting to rejoice over that one that comes home? So we need to realize, as David did, and say it's important. Now, as a young boy, he put his trust in the Lord. Now, we all know David because he came on the scene really to be seen as when he faced Goliath. And that's where most people pick him up at as far as knowing much about him. We'll talk about the giant for a little bit just just to bring your, refresh your memory, Goliath was over nine feet tall. He had 125 pounds of armor. And David was armored with just a sling and five smooth stones. In fact, the same instrument that he used to protect the sheep, no doubt. But in an unguarded moment for Goliath, quick as a flash, with the power of God behind him, before the Philistine knew what happened, David pierced his skull with that rock right in his forehead and it cr he came crashing to the ground. But this is the thing that happened right after that. As great as that victory is, and we'll talk about it again, but as great as that took place, the immediate thing that began to happen was large numbers of people begin to praise David and say, Saul hath slain his thousands, but David hath slain his ten thousands. So that brought on a whole nother problem for David, as we will see. Let's look at 1 Samuel, and they'll put chapter 17 up there and give you the picture there of what's going on. The Philistines had gathered together for battle. And it was a valley in between there. And verse 2 says, Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched on the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on the mountain on one side. Israel stood on the mountain on the other side. And there's a valley in between. And this is where the champion, Goliath, came out in that valley. He was... Goliath of Gath, he had a helmet of brass on his head. He's armed with coat of mail. He had 5,000 shekels of brass. He had brass layers of brass on his uh, legs, target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. I studied that, looked into it. It had to have a counterweight on the back of the of the of the uh, beam the spear because of the weight of it so much. So he was all planned. He was all ready. But the thing was, he stood there and cried every day out loud to Israel. And the Bible says in verse 9, if he be able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants and I will prevail against him and kill him and then shall you be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Now when those words were heard every day, the Bible says Saul and all of Israel heard these words and they were dismayed and greatly afraid. You know, I think that we have to remind ourselves we're going to face a lot of giant problems, people, situations in our life I'm talking about big things that we wouldn't plan in. Things that really came against us. And what will we do? If we fear, 
the devil will take that fear and use it against you. And you'll not be able to go forward for the Lord. Saul and his army stood there and listened to that every day. And what did they do? Take another step backwards. Shaking in their army or armor over there. But as we jump down to verse number 22, <laughs> here comes David on the scene. And he left his carriage in the hand of the keeper. He was on a mission just to come and greet his brothers, bring them a little something. See how they were doing. That's all he was going to do. But he comes, he leaves his keep, uh, the, in the hand of the keeper, and he ran to the army and came and saluted his brother. Now, that doesn't mean he gave him a salute. That means he just wel welcomed them, said hi to them, and made some small talk with them. As he talked with him, behold, there came up the champion... Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistine, and spake according to the same words. So he's talking, and then all of a sudden he, what is that? What is that? Who is that speaking? What's that going on? And in verse 24 it says, And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him and were so afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up, and it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. I don't see David say, wow! So he's going to give me riches, I'm going to get his daughter, and my father's going to get a free home. Man, this is awesome. Let's go do this. Take, let's do this. I mean, I'm ready for all of that. You'll notice as you read through that, David never says anything about any of that. Because his heart was not in the earthly things. But he was thinking about God's army. He was thinking about giving praise to God. And so we see what happened. David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to this man that killeth the Philistine, taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of God? Who in the world do you think he is anyway? The people answered him and said, After this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. So Elab, his eldest brother, standing off just a little ways, hears David's conversation and hears them saying all these things to him. And this is what he said. Why camest you down hither or down here in it? Why, why are you here to begin with, David? And what are you done with the sheep that you're supposed to be taking care of back there? Well, who's taking care of them? And he says, I know thy pride and thy naughtiness of thy heart. Well, I don't think he knew David very good because David didn't seem to me to be a prideful person or have naughtiness of his heart. In fact, he had the Spirit of the Lord upon him. For thou art come down that thou mayest see the battle. So he's saying, you just come down here just to be nosy on what's going on is what you're doing. But the next statement is very important. Verse 29. And David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? In other words, David said, I haven't done anything. Have you seen me do anything? I'm just here asking. I'm listening. 
And I'm just asking what's going on. I've done nothing. It's this criminal over here. It's this giant. It's this person over here that's trying to hurt the people of Israel. He says, is there not a cause? It sounds like to me there's, there's something here that needs to be done. Either for his coming to the camp, being sent by his father, or expressing himself and saying, because of what this Philistine and what he's saying and what he's planning to do to Israel here, there's a cause. But as far as anything else, David had done nothing. He hadn't committed any kind of wrong. It was just mere words that he was asking about. There was no reason for them to be so hard against him. But the lesson here too is that folks, we need to always look around us in this world we live in and realize there is a cause for spreading the Gospel. There is a cause for going out here and reaching folks for Jesus. I mean... When I look around, I don't have to look very far and listen very long to realize there's a cause here, isn't it? We, we don't open these doors up so we can just come in and see what each other's wearing. We come in to get equipped and ready to go out because why? There's a cause out there. There's a mission out there. You ask these missionaries that we hear about every Wednesday night, they know there's a cause. There's a reason why they have left their home and gone to a foreign country because the Lord's called them to that and there is a cause to go there. And so David says, listen, there's certainly something here that needs to be done. I'm not going back home and doing nothing. So jumping down to verse 38, Saul, of course, put his, wanted to put his armor on him, fix him up to go. <laughs> I'm amazed how quick Saul was ready to give that up. Well, yeah, David, go ahead. And David, the Bible says he hadn't been proved yet. He, he put all that stuff on. He couldn't hardly move. He said, no, you take that off. So what did he do in verse 40? He took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones out of the brook. He put them in the shepherd's bag. And the Bible says he put the sling in his hand and he drew near to the Philistines. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David. And the man that bare the shield went before him. David looked about and saw, or the Philistine looked about and saw David, and he was disdained him. He thought, this is, this is ridiculous. For he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you would come to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me. Come on. Because I'm going to feed you to the flesh of the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, and this is an important thing, verse 45, Thou comest to me with a sword and a spear and a shield. But I come to thee, how? In the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. The one who you've been talking about. The one whom you've been blaspheming. He said, I'm coming in the name of the Lord. Folks, how important is that we live our life going out here in the name of the Lord? 
You see, I can't do anything on my own, but I could do a lot through the name of the Lord because there's power in that name. There's healing in that name. There's so many things in that name that we should claim the name of the Lord. Verse 46, This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand. I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. I like the way David had already figured out. So I'm telling you, I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm going to do. That all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. So, and all the assembly shall know the Lord saveth not with sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give it into your hands. What a, what a lesson for us to remember. Every situation, every battle we face, whether it's news from the doctor, whether it's a financial problem that's come on, whether it's, I don't care what it is, give the battle to the Lord. It's His anyway. He can fight it a whole lot better than you can than I can. David said, I'm going to just let the Lord use me. I'm just going to go out there, but the battle is His. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David. I like this. David hastened and ran toward. He wasn't creeping along. He said, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Go do what the Lord wants me to do. David put his hand in his bag. You know, the thing is, I can see him as he's running, reaching in his bag. He didn't do that ahead. Well, let me get my sling all ready, make sure it's untangled, everything's good to go. No. He's running and reaching and ready to throw it. And that's what he does. David put his hand in there took a fence of stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in the forehead and the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon the face of the earth and David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. And he smote the Philistine and slew him there. David didn't even have a sword. He had to jump up on top of him and draw his sword out of his sheath and cut his head off. You know, can you imagine that valley, that conversation... Everything that his words echoing all over that valley, and they're both of the armies quiet and just watching and seeing what's going on. And David knowing that God has showed up and he is going to work a miracle. And that's what he did. He slew him. So I think we can see here why David's called a man after God's own heart. He does some miraculous things, and I believe it's because of the lessons that we saw at number one, one person is worth praying for and going after and lead them to the Lord. We saw that as a shepherd boy. Number two, may we always find a place in our heart, in our life, a habitation for the Lord. The sad part about it, the Lord wants to dwell in many folks' lives, but we don't leave that room for Him to do that. We may have a whole house full of rooms and say, well, I'll just save one little spot for the Lord over here when He should have reign over all of it. And then thirdly, no matter how great the enemy is, we have to put on the whole armor of God. That armor of God is different from what Saul wanted to equip him with. And so David showed him, say, hey, I don't need your stuff. I need what God's going to give me. And that's what God did. So, 
We'll get started into David as a fugitive, our second lesson here from King Saul. David had to be on the run, unfortunately. Not because he did anything wrong, he did, did everything right. But you've got to realize the conflict that is there, even from back when he was anointed. And no doubt at some point Saul realized, hey, the Spirit of the Lord's upon David, and I don't know what I got going on in my life now. But something's just not right. So 1 Samuel chapter 18, let's look at verse 5. David went out whatsoever Saul sent him. And notice this, he behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people. They begin to like David right from the beginning. Also in the sight of Saul's servants. Even Saul's servants said, boy, that young man David, he's something else. And it came to pass, as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistines, the women came out of the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets and joy with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul hath slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. It was a problem with the song. <laughs> it didn't go over too good with Saul. Verse 8, Saul was very wroth. Man. And the saying displeased him and he said, they have ascribed unto David 10,000, and to me they have ascribed 1,000. And what can he have more than more but the kingdom? And notice this, Saul eyed David from that day forward. From that day forward, he said, hmm, got my eyes on you, buddy. I'm watching you. David probably, okay, you can watch me. I'm just doing what the Lord wants me to do. I'm just walking in His will. So King Saul couldn't bear to see David praised for his achievements. He became bitterly jealous over David after the experience with Goliath. I hope we never let jealousy involve in our life we see God using somebody else. We ought to say praise the Lord. And let God continue to use you. You, you. you have abilities and gifts that I don't have. And I may have some that you don't have, but we got some we share together. But the wonderful thing is, God can use all of us in one way or another. We all jointly fit together. And Saul, of course, didn't like it. I got to show you that one picture there where he throws that spear at him. Twice Saul lifted up his spear and he cast it at David. Both occasions David managed to slip away unharmed. Look at that in 1 Samuel, he'll put chapter 18, verse 10. Came to pass on the morrow that that evil spirit from God came upon Saul. You see, that evil spirit keeps coming in play here. And he prophesied in the midst of the house, and David played with his hand as other times, and there was a javelin in Saul's hand. So he's there to calm him down, play that music, 
But Saul's sitting there with that javelin in his hand. And all of a sudden, Saul cast that javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of the presence, his presence twice. I, I can only imagine David's there to try to calm him down, try to put him in a good spirit. And he had, Saul wants to pin him to the wall. Saul was afraid of David in verse 12. Notice this. Why? Because the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from him and made him captain over a thousand, and he went out and came in before the people. But still, David behaved himself wisely in all of his ways, and the Lord was with him. Wherefore, when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. And Saul said to David, Behold, behold my elder daughter Merah, her will I give thee to wife, only be thou valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul said, Let not mine hand be upon him, but let the hand of the Philistines be upon him. In other words, Saul was hoping this. He said, I, okay, I won't, I won't throw my javelin at you no more. But I'm going to send you out to battle. I want you to get out here and slay a hundred Philistines. And I'm sure during that battle, you probably get killed in the middle of it. That's what he was hoping for. That he loses his life. It came to a point, and I don't know how long, it wouldn't took me very long, but finally David said, I'm not safe in here. I'm not going to remain in Saul's court. And he fled to Adullam. He wandered out in the desert of Judea for several years, and Saul hunted him down and repeatedly tried to kill him. Saul plotted time and time again to trip David, but each time he escaped. Saul's, Saul's traps. Listen, the devil's never going to give up trying to trap you and me. He's never going to stop. It won't happen until the Lord returns. But I'm glad that we can avoid a lot of things the devil throws our way if we stay in the will of God. If we trust in Him. Depend upon Him. During the years when David was wandering in the deserts, with Saul seeking to take his life. He had some unusual opportunities that we'll look at next time that he could have took Saul's life. You think that was tempting to David? I mean, he could have put this thing to an end. I'm sure it was. But David each time returned his love to Saul. And that reminds me, and I'll close with this verse tonight in Matthew 5.44, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. David practiced that. He could have certainly ended that chase and that few being a fugitive, but he didn't. He suffered all kind of injustice, ill treatment at the hands of Saul for many years. 
And David had so many opportunities to even take Saul's life. But David said this, The Lord forbid that I should harm my master, the Lord's anointed. You see what he recognized? That even though the Spirit had been off of Saul, he was still at one point the Lord's anointed. And I believe that we should realize how important it is that we don't talk about God's anointed, we don't abuse God's anointed, we don't say things against God's anointed, but we respect God's anointed. This man may not do everything that you think he should do in the way that you want it done, but he's still God's anointed. And because of that, we should pray for him and lift him up and respect him. Amen? Amen. You listen to Pastor David Kogel. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.